Hey, it's so good to have all of you here today. Thank you for giving us a part of your weekend. And for those of you that are our guests today, we're honored to have you come and we'd love to have you make this your church home. I mean, guys, can you believe all that God has done here at Northview in the past 42 years? From 30 people in a music room to over 10,000 people in 12 different locations, and four of those are in prisons. Plus, our church in the city, Brookside Community Church. And every year, think about this, every year we see as many as 1,000 people step across the line of faith, and we have over 500 people every year follow the Lord in baptism. And Northview Church has some of the most generous people I think I have ever been around. Every time we present you with a need, you step up and help. In fact, you just saw it on the video, but a few months ago, you committed to support over 2,600 children in Ghana. That's three times more than any other church has ever done. Yeah. Friends, we are making a difference in our own community as well as around the world. And so again, all collectively, I think that needs to be celebrated. Don't you? Let's say, yay, God. So guys, as we move into this next season, we are believing God through this generosity initiative to provide $77 million over the next two years to accomplish this incredible mission that God has called us to. Now I know that is a big goal, but we're a big church and we serve a big God. And yet, I just don't think God ever wants us to get comfortable. But as you all know, the pandemic certainly did not help things. After months of not gathering together and people watching online, it just felt like everyone became spectators watching from the sideline. And of course, that's the key word, watching. It felt like during that time, we were all kind of in a fog and everybody pulled away from serving and using their gifts and talents. And I can tell you that as we moved into 2021, I just felt this urgency to get our church focused again and moving forward once again. Because the scripture makes it clear that we have a responsibility to reach the unchurched. We have an obligation to fulfill the Great Commission. And the fact is, it's probably more urgent today than it's ever been before. On one hand, we're seeing a great move of God. But on the other hand, there's a lot of Christians that are deconstructing their faith, and I'm just telling you that's concerning to me. And yet Scripture tells us that in the last days there will be a great outpouring of His Holy Spirit, but at the same time there's going to be a great falling away. Friends, I believe that we're living in the last of the last days. It's my conviction. You may not share it, but I really do. And if that's true, it's so important that Christ is first in every area of our life. Listen, our team has put together a guide for this journey that we're going to be going on in the next five weeks. It's kind of a, the, the name of our, our series is First Before All Things. And so we put together this booklet. So if you're on the end of the row, I'm going to ask that you'd pass those booklets down. We want everybody to take one. Some of you might actually have to move to pick those up. <laughs> But make sure if, you're, if you're, no one's on the end of your aisle, please go down and make sure everybody has one of those. And if you're joining us online, you can access this book digitally at northviewchurch.us or on our Northview app, so you can get that as well. So make sure everybody has one, please. So real quick, let me, let me just kind of give you some highlights of this. 
There are four things that I want to point out in this book. First of all, the first section is the vision section that outlines what we just saw in the video. And I'm so anxious for you to look at it and read it, just not right now. (laughs) So when you get home, I want you to look at it and read it. Right now, I want you to give me your attention. The second thing is, is that each week, you need to bring this every week because this is something you can use to take notes on. And so today, for instance, if you'll turn to page 34, that's where the notes are uh, for this message today. The third thing that I want to point out is there's life group content. So not only do I want you to bring this with you to church every week, but you need to take it to your life group every week as well. I just believe, listen, I believe your best experience for this series is going to be done in community. So hear me, guys. My heart's desire is that every one of you would be in a small group, in a life group for this series. Now, I know a large percentage of our church is already in life groups. So please make sure you go to your groups during this time period. Some of you say, well, Steve, we're not in a life group. And that's why on every one of our campuses we have organized, just for this series, we have organized groups. So if you're, hear me, if you're not in a group, you can come to the Carmel campus on Tuesday night or Wednesday night, and we'll have life groups right here. And we also are providing childcare. So if you say, well, I don't know what I'd do with the kids. Bring your kids, we're gonna have childcare as well. But there'll be campuses going on every Tuesday and Wednesday night. And so please, you're without excuse. I really believe it'll make this series a much better experience for you. I believe, guys, it's gonna be a life-changing experience, this whole series which will be even better done in community. The last thing that I want to point out is in that, in that booklet is a commitment card. Now, obviously, I'm not wanting you to fill out this commitment card right now. Um, I want you to take this card, and I want you to put it in your Bible, in your nightstand, your desk at work. I just want you to put it somewhere that you see it on a regular basis. I want it to be a reminder for you to begin to pray about what God would have you to do during this season. Pray about what first looks like for you. What does, it look like for, what does it look like for you in your life? So guys, as we move into this today, let me just simply ask the question again. Is Christ first in your life? I'm not asking you if he's important to you. I'm asking you if he's first. If I were to ask you if he's important to you, I'm confident that everybody would raise their hands and say yes. That's not the question. The question is, is Christ first in your life? You see, the Apostle Paul tries to make the point in the letter that he wrote to the, uh, that he wrote to the Christians at Colossae, to Colossians. You see, he wanted them to understand, and he wants us to understand that Jesus is not merely a character in God's story. He's what the story is all about. He is before all things, and he is above all things. He is first in all things. So today, we're going to start this five-week series on Colossians. We're calling it First. It's also going to kick off a two-year discipleship journey where we're going to continue to ask ourselves, God, are you really first in my life? Are you really before all things in my life? And that's why the number one goal, hear me, the number one goal of this initiative is discipleship. The number one goal is for 100% of the people that call Northview their church home to engage In other words, we want everyone to join us in this pursuit of spiritual growth. 
I, I said to the staff, uh, we pray on Saturday night out here, and uh, as we were praying, I said, just pray that everyone would see that this is not about our financial resources as much as it's about our spiritual growth. That this needs to be a discipleship initiative where the entire church is moving forward in their spiritual journey. So it, this is about the, the pursuit of declaring Jesus Christ first in our life. Listen, guys, we were created by Jesus and for Jesus. And as your pastor, I just so want you to understand that your relationship with Jesus needs to be a priority in your life. It can't just be something you say, well, it's important to me, Steve. We do it on the weekends. We're here most weekends. It's important we pray before our meals. It's important we tell our kids at times how important it is to follow Jesus. It's got to be more than important. It needs to be the priority. Let's jump into this. Okay, Colossae was this city that had a large mix of cultures, and it was very diverse, much like today. It was a prosperous city located in what today would be modern-day Turkey. It was part of the Roman Empire, and the Roman law during that time had a basic guideline when it came to religion, which basically said this, you can worship any god you want, just, just don't say that your god is the only god. You can worship any god you want, just don't say that your god is the only god, because that just might lead to conflict. That just might lead to unrest. Therefore, because of that, Colossae was a city that was filled with shrines and temples to all kinds of idols. And the attitude was just find a God that'll work for you. In other words, if it feels good, do it, do it if it's what you feel. It sounds a whole lot like the culture we live in today. Everybody has their own unique worldview. You know, Steve, I, I like what this religion has to say about sexuality and what this group has to say about marriage, and I like what this group has to say about heaven and hell and what this group has to say about politics. So I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to take a little bit out of this religion, a little bit out of this religion, and a little bit out of this, and I'm going to combine them all together and build my own religion, kind of this a build-a-bear type approach that makes me feel good. And that's what ends up happening in our culture today. We all say that we have, or that we're religious or spiritual, but it's basically we, we come up with our own beliefs based on all these things that we try to put together. Well, friend, you can believe what you want to believe. Hear me on this. You can believe what you want to believe, but it does not change the truth of Scripture. And if you're looking to build your life on a solid foundation, it's important that you build it on the truth of God's Word. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, Paul makes that abundantly clear when he said, all Scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong, and it teaches us to do what is right, which is why we need to be in Scripture. If you've been around Northview very long, you've heard me hammer on this forever. Because I think, how in the world can you ever have a biblical worldview if you never get into the Bible? How in the world can you have a solid foundation if you don't even know what Scripture is talking about? The Bible is our roadmap. It is inerrant. It is authoritative. And friends, it is God-breathed. And just because you're a Christian, and just because you're a Christian does not mean that you truly have a biblical worldview. Guys, listen to me. It does not matter if I like it, 
You know, because a lot of times people, I'll talk to people and, and they'll say, well, I don't, I don't agree with what the Scripture says here, and I don't like what the Scripture says here, or I don't understand what the Scripture says here. It doesn't matter if you like it or even understand it. If God's Word says it, then I stand on it. God's Word becomes our compass pointing us to true north. Listen, biblical confusion is a major problem in our culture today. And it's not unique because it was a major problem in the culture of Colossae. That's why Paul wrote the letter. You see, these early Christians professed to worship Jesus, and yet they were also embracing these other ideas or embracing these other philosophies or values. And that's why Paul writes to them. He's concerned that these young Christians, these young believers, are allowing the culture to shape their worldview. And they were not, they were not declaring Christ first in their life. Today, I want us to look at chapter 1. And I think I can safely say, hear me on this, some of you, if you have your Bible with you, I want you to mark these particular verses. This, these are some scriptures I don't want you to ever lose sight of. If you don't have your Bible with you when you get home, please mark these scriptures in your Bible. Because I think I can safely say to you that there is no other paragraph in scripture that contains a better explanation of Christ, of Jesus Christ, than the six verses we're going to look at today. Paul writes this because he wants to leave absolutely no question about who Jesus is. In the scripture, we're going to look at chapter 1. We're going to look at verse 15 through 20. So when you get home, if you don't have your Bible, when you get home, mark those in your Bible. Colossians 1, 15 through 20. So let's jump into this, starting with verse 15. He, we're talking about Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn We'll come back to that. The firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created, both in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. So Christ is the image of the invisible God. Now the word image in the original language literally means an exact copy. When it says he is the image, it means he's an exact copy or a likeness of God, which expresses to us the deity of Christ. Now, we won't take time to look at it, but Jesus says to us in John, the 14th chapter, I think in the ninth verse, he says, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father, an exact copy. Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. This word Guys, this, this word is so much more than, than the meaning of resemblance or representation. He is, in fact, God. Then he says, I pointed that out, he says, the firstborn of all creation. Now, some people read that, and they think that it means that Jesus was the first one to be born, or the first to be created. For instance, I could say to you, Ryan is my oldest child, and so he's my firstborn. But Jesus wasn't created. No, the word firstborn in the original language can also mean first in priority. This may seem like a minor thing, but it's not. And I hope by the time I'm done, you'll see what I'm talking about. It literally means first in priority, okay? Which lines up with what the scripture teaches. In six different places, Jesus declared to be the firstborn of God. 
the firstborn of God. Therefore, this phrase that says firstborn of all creation proclaims Christ's preeminence. His priority, in other words, in our lives. Jesus is the creator and he is the ruler of all creation. Friends, it's that, guys, it's that priority in our life that every Christian needs to get a hold of. And that's why I'm gonna say it over and over and over again today. You were created by Jesus and for Jesus. Now, I know that may seem obvious. Some of you would quickly say, well, yeah, I know that's true, Steve. But I want it to really sink in. You were created by Jesus and for Jesus. We say we get it, but I don't think we live our life as if we do. I hear people say, I was made to be, for instance, people, Christians, non-Christians, they'll say, you know, I think I was made to be a teacher, or, or I was made to be a carpenter, or I was made to be a pastor. Well, I get what you're saying, but no, you weren't. You might be gifted for those things, but you were created, you were made for Jesus. And you were created to be in Christ, to be identified with Christ. What does that mean? It means that your primary purpose in life is to focus on him. That's what life's all about. If you're still trying to figure out, life, well, I'm still trying to figure out the direction of my life. I'm still trying to figure, first of all, you gotta get this. You are the primary, your primary purpose in life is to focus on Jesus. Your primary purpose in life is to live out the purpose and plan he has for you. Verse 17, he goes on, he says, he is Jesus, he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Now this verse is the theme to the series today. Paul's trying to summarize and to make it very clear that Jesus Christ is before all things. Not only did Jesus always exist, but he's the glue that holds all creation together. Hear me please. It's very hard, I want you to get this. It is very hard, if not impossible, to understand the gospel if you don't understand the preeminence of Christ. It is hard, if not impossible, to understand the gospel if you don't understand the preeminence of Christ. If you don't understand that God needs to be, he must be first in your life. Listen to me, guys, God doesn't do second. He doesn't do second because he's preeminent. He doesn't do second because he's first. I, I really do believe that once you get a hold of this, it'll be one of those spiritual aha moments. It'll be one of those where, where the fog is removed or the, the glasses are removed to where all of a sudden you're like, oh my gosh, I get it. He's always been important to me, but I didn't see it in this light. I didn't see how it's so, uh, it is absolutely necessary that Christ is my priority. And when that happens, it'll change your relationship with him. It's like being friends with someone of the opposite sex. It's like being friends with someone of the opposite sex for a long time. And, and you've hung around together, and then all of a sudden one day you realize, hey, I think I like this person a lot. I think I've loved this person. I think I wanna spend the rest of my life with this person. I didn't see it before, but now I see it and I want to know them. I wanna know them like I've not known them before. 
That's what Paul is saying when he writes in Philippians chapter 3, the 10th verse. Paul says, I want to know Christ. Paul said, you know what, I, I, wanna, I, I don't just want to follow him. I want to know him. I want to understand who he is. I want him to be what my entire life is all about. I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death. Guys, this principle of first, it's taught throughout Scripture. I mean, we can go all the way back to the beginning of the Bible in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning, God. We can go to John's Gospel, chapter 1, 1 to 3. It says, in the beginning was the Word. What are we talking about, was the Word? In the beginning was Jesus. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, through him, through Jesus, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. And skip down to verse 14. The Word, Jesus, became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. So this 14th verse tells us the Word became flesh, Jesus became flesh, and he dwelt among us. The Word is Christ, it's Jesus. Paul wants us to understand that Jesus Christ is before all things. Guys, it's not about us. And I know that's contrary, that conflicts with everything the world tells us. It's not about us. This world, this life that we're living, it's not about us. It's all about him. And he wants us to declare him first. I know I've read it to you a dozen times, but I'm gonna read it to you again. Rick Warren, in the Purpose Driven Life book, which is the best-selling book, I think, throughout history. I mean, it's other than the Bible, uh, this Purpose Driven uh, Life book has been amazing what it's done. And in the very first chapter, in the very first chapter, the first words that he, spe that he writes, Rick Warren says, it's not about you. The purpose of your life is far greater than your own personal fulfillment, your peace of mind, or even your happiness. It's far greater than your family, your career, or even your wildest dreams and ambitions. If you want to know why you were placed on this planet, you must begin with God. You were born by his purpose and for his purpose. You were born by his purpose and for his purpose. Friends, I just think this will be a total paradigm shift for many of you. If you walk out of here today and it's like the, the light comes on, if you walk out here today and the veil is removed, it's going to be, oh my gosh, I'm seeing this in a way I've never seen it before. It's not about God becoming a part of your story. It's not about God becoming a part of your story. It's about you becoming a part of his. Maybe there have been times you've gotten upset at God. Maybe there are times you've gotten angry with God because he didn't do things or things didn't happen the way you thought they should happen or, or what you expected to happen. Because in your mind, listen, in your mind, you feel like everything should revolve around you because after all, that's what the culture tells us. That's what the market, the media tells us. Your parents have convinced you as a child that life was all about you that everything revolves around your world. Guys, please hear me because I'm gonna burst some bubbles. 
It's not. It's not all about you. Everything is about him. Everything should revolve around him. Jesus is not just someone. Guys, Jesus is not just someone you put on a list of priorities. You know, again, I said it a minute ago, I'll say it again. If I said, how many, how many would say Jesus is important to them? Probably everybody here would raise your hands, and yet we don't actually live like we believe that. He's, just, he's not just somebody we put on a list of priorities and say, you see, God's important to me. No, he is the page on which all of your priorities are written. He's not just another chapter in your book. He is the book. I mean, can you imagine me telling my wife, Sandy, there's other women in my life, but I want you to know you're my favorite. <laughs> are you kidding me? I would never survive that. <laughs> I'm in a covenant relationship with her. We made that agreement as we went into that covenant relationship and, and that partnership. I pledged myself to her and her to me. She doesn't want any other women in my life. She is in a class by herself. It is, and guys, I'm just trying to get you to see it's the same with Jesus. He cannot just be another commitment in your life. He cannot just be uh, one of several priorities that you have in your life. He must be what your life revolves around. And that's why Jesus told us. I mean, he's made it so clear. But in Matthew chapter 6, he says, but seek first. There it is again. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And then all these things will be given to you as well. So this is so important. So Jesus is saying to us, he's like, look, guys, if you'll just put me first, if you'll just seek me first above all things, you don't need to worry about all this other stuff. You don't need to worry about all these things. They'll take care of themselves. You just need to put me first. He needs to be first place in everything. Let me ask you, guys, when you think about the choices and the decisions that you make each and every day, when you think about your affections or your obedience to God, when you think about how you handle the gifts and the talents that God has given you, or how you handle the financial resources that the Lord has entrusted you with, would you say it's all based on Jesus being first in your life? I mean, nobody can answer that but you. You have to be self-aware enough. You have to be honest enough with yourself to answer questions like that. And again, I don't mean, and I know this gets a little confusing, so I really want clarity here. I don't mean first in order. I mean first in priority. For the next few weeks, I'm going to refer at times to how we handle our treasure. Why? Because Jesus does. Do you realize there's over 2,000 scriptures in the New Testament to talk about our financial resources. Two-thirds of the parables that Jesus tells, imagine that, two-thirds of the parables that Jesus tell have to do with our financial resources. Jesus talked more about money than heaven and hell combined. He talked a lot about it because he knew this is gonna be an area that people struggle with. This would be the thing that would keep countless Christians from a total surrender. So guys, it begs the question, have you made God first in priority? Have you made God first in priority? 
when it comes to your material possessions? Have you made God first in priority when it comes to your resources? Let's look at Matthew again. Matthew 6, by the way, is one of my uh, favorite chapters in the Bible. Jesus, the words of Jesus there. And I've shared this with you before, but God actually called me out of the business world into ministry with Matthew chapter 6 was the chapter he used in my life, so I love it. But if we back up there, it says, don't, Jesus says, don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, get this, wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. Jesus is saying you can't separate your treasure from your heart. That's why when I talk about, when I tell you that this initiative is more about discipleship than it is about finances, this is why. You cannot, Jesus said, you cannot separate your treasure from your heart. Our giving affirms Christ is first in our life. It dethrones me and it exalts Christ. God doesn't, guys, how much clearer can I be? God doesn't need your money. He owns it all. God does not need your money. What he's looking for is an outward demonstration of our trust for him. See, we have to come to a place where we acknowledge that everything we have, it's so hard for us. That's why he deals with it so much. We have to come to a place where we acknowledge and understand that everything that we have belongs to God. The scripture makes it clear that we are just stewards, we are just managers of his stuff. And so the question comes down, do you trust me? Do you trust me with everything that I put into your care? So guys, does your, giving reflect the, does your giving reflect that Jesus Christ is first in your life? Or is something else more first than Jesus? Let me explain. I was trying to think of an illustration. And, and let's imagine with me that uh, you're, you're watching a couple, a young couple, and they've come out of an open house. They've been looking at this home, and they're standing out front on the sidewalk, and we can kind of overhear them. And this young couple is standing there, and uh, you hear one of them say, this house is awesome. Can you imagine our family living here? But at the same time, I know it's a little bit beyond our budget. I don't know if we can afford to do this. But the other spouse says, it is, it is beyond our budget. But I, I really do think we can figure this out. But in order for us to do that, well, everything's going to have to change. We're not going to be able to upgrade our car for a few years. We might have to pull back on some of our vacations. We might not be able to eat out as much as we do right now. It's going to be hard. But if we're willing to sacrifice, I think we can do it. In other words, let's allow these other things to be less important right now so that we can give God our first, no, excuse me, I'm getting ahead of my illustration. So let's, let's allow these other things to be less important right now so that we can give our first and our best to this home. So does that make sense? So let me be very clear because I don't want the illustration to be misunderstood. You can go off in, in wrong directions and not hear what I'm saying. There is nothing wrong with making those kinds of decisions or sacrifices for your family at times. Nothing at all. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that just needs to be our heart for God all the time. 
There are times we're going to make those kind of sacrifices, maybe for our kids' schooling or maybe for this new home we want to buy, whatever. There's times we're going to make those kind of sacrifices, and it's okay. I'm just saying that needs to be our heart for God all the time. For most of us, our giving is driven by our financial priorities. Instead of all things being by Jesus and for Jesus, well, all things are by our mortgage payment or for mortgage payment. Or even, again, more convicting, all things are by our kids or for our kids. And again, while there's nothing wrong with providing a home for your family and providing for your kids, the question is this, are you making the same kinds of sacrifices for God? Does your spending, listen, does your spending and saving drive your giving or does your giving drive your spending and saving? Let that sink in for just a minute. Which is, which is it for you? More importantly, who is it? Who is first for you? You see, a true declaration of Jesus being first in our life would be to say, okay, we could do that with our giving. But in order for us to do that, everything else will have to change. Oh, guys, that's my point. That's exactly what God wants. God's trying to build a transformation in our life. God's trying to build a change in our life so that we become more like Christ, so that we become more like Jesus, so that our friends and our family and our coworkers and those we rub shoulders with see Jesus lived out in us. He wants things to change. He wants things, he wants things to change so that Jesus becomes first in our life, and that becomes apparent to everyone we interact with. Because all too often, our only conversation is how much can we afford to give after we do everything else we wanna do, after we get the house that we wanna get, after we take the dream vacation, after we get the lifestyle that we've always dreamed of, after all of these things. Then it comes down to what can we afford to give God from what we have left? Guys, Jesus deserves more than our leftovers. Jesus deserves more than our leftovers. He deserves our first and he deserves our best. You know, Sandy and I, I've shared this whole story, so I'm abbreviated version here. Sandy and I have always put God first in order. The reason is, is because uh, I was, when I was a teenager, my dad got saved, radically saved. It was a major change in his life. And I can remember when he made that change, he really did put Christ first in his life. And I can remember him sitting down with me as a teenager and talking about this, saying, Steve, Jesus needs to be your first priority in every area of your life. And he pulls out a checkbook and he says, this is what your mother and I have done. We have decided that we opened up a checkbook that we call the Lord's account. And so right now, uh, everything, that come, everything that I make income-wise, we first put in here, and then we put it into our own regular account. So that's what Sandy and I did. We got married, and we opened up, immediately opened up a, a, a checkbook that we called the Lord's account. And so every time I got paid, I worked on commissions uh, back then in those days. And so every time I got a commission check, I immediately put the Lord's part there, and then the rest went into our regular account. The problem with, and we did that, have always done that, the problem with that is, is it can become extremely comfortable or routine. And so what happens then is that you do it for so long, you don't, it's second nature, you, don't, you do it out of habit, you don't even think about it anymore, and so all of a sudden God whispers in your ear and says, oh, besides that, I want you to help this person over here. And immediately you're like, time out, 
I'm already doing this, God. I've already put you first. I'm already given my tithe. I'm already given my 10%. I'm not gonna do any more. And God's still whispering, no, I want you to help with this. No, God, I'm doing my part. That's all that I'm gonna do. And so we, we reject God or we push back from God because it's not comfortable to us and because we think I'm already putting him first. I'm not sure Sandy and I have always been the best at putting God first in priority. We're still working on that. I'm still a work in progress, just like you guys are. It's something we talk about and pray about it. I don't, when God asks me to do more than a tithe, I don't want to find myself grumbling. I don't want to find myself complaining anymore. I want to, I want to, I want to be reminded that it's all God's. I'm just his manager, his steward, and I just want to be faithful to what he asked me to do. And he's not going to ask, God's never going to ask us to do anything that's going to harm us or hurt us, and so I just need to absolutely trust him. I want Jesus to become first priority in my life. I don't just want him to be important. I want him to be first. What about you? Guys, what would it be like for your giving? Listen, what would it be like in your life giving to God if that was your driver? If that was so, so much a priority that giving to God was what really drove you or motivated you? What would it be like for your giving to truly reflect Jesus over every area of your life? Now, please don't miss the point. This initiative is about discipleship. It's about growing into the person that God wants us to become. It's about God being preeminent in our life. Our primary goal for this two-year initiative is 100% engagement. It's to invite everyone that calls Northview their church home to step up and declare Jesus is first in my life. Or to take a significant step forward in deepening your relationship with Jesus. So guys, here's what I need from you, or I'm asking from you. I need you to pray. I need you to start now, and that's what the card's for, just as a reminder, to say, okay, all right, Steve, I'm not sure what we're gonna do, but I, I do commit to pray. Pray, if you would, if you would agree with me in prayer, that people will step up and be bold, that they will be obedient to whatever God asks of them to do. And just pray that God will show you what he wants you to do. Second, I'm asking you to lean in to this series. Please try, please try to be here for all five weeks, if at all possible. Because I really do believe, I, I cannot overstate this, I really do believe that God wants to do something significant spiritually in all of our lives through this study of Colossians, an amazing book. And I would love it, I would love it if I could get you all to be in a life group. Again, if you're not already in one, you can come here on Tuesday or Wednesday nights and participate in that as well. It gives you an opportunity to discuss and process this content with other people. And start now, if you would, praying over this commitment card. God, what are you calling me to do? What is it you want me to do? Because guys, when it's all said and done, it doesn't matter. Listen, it doesn't matter if anyone else is faithful to God or not. When it all comes down to it, it doesn't matter what everybody else is gonna do. When it all comes down to it, what are you gonna do? Are you gonna trust God? But Steve, my parents never did. It's not about your parents. This is about you. 
But Steve, my life group is not trusting God with this either. Well, your life group is robbing themselves of an opportunity to be used of God. But again, I'm really not asking about your life group. What are you going to do? Everything we have belongs to God. We're stewards or managers of his stuff. God is looking, listen, God is looking for men and women who will demonstrate bold faith. He's looking for those who are willing to make sacrifices to reach those that are far from Christ. He's looking for those who will make the work of the kingdom of God a priority. Someone asked me one time, it's been a couple years ago, but someone asked me one time if it bothered me uh, to ask people to be generous. I said, absolutely not. Because I know, listen, I know how critical generosity is to our spiritual growth. It doesn't bother me because as a pastor, my heart's desire has been and always will be to see people grow in their faith and to become all Jesus wants them to be. My heart's desire is to help people get to that place that we're willing to trust God with all that we have. Listen, I, I don't believe, I'll be honest with you, I don't believe there's a better place to put our kingdom investments than right here at Northview Church. You can see for yourself, that's why I show a lot of videos, that's why we tell a lot of stories, because you can see for yourself how God is blessing our efforts here at home and around the world. So the answer to the question is no. It does not bother me to ask people to be generous. In fact, I think that God gave all of us a desire to make a difference. I think God gave all of us this inner desire. I think within each one of us, there is this heart's desire to do something significant with our life, to make our life count for something. Friends, this is our time. I believe that God is asking us to declare him first before all things. I know it's a bit scary, but come on, faith is scary. If it weren't scary, would it even really be faith? I can tell you that Sandy and I have already been praying about this, and we're already um, wrestling with this whole decision. I remember Uncharted, the last one we did back in 2016, and we prayed, and God gave us a figure that was larger than any amount we had ever given in our lives, and it scared us to death. But we stepped out, we trusted God, and we were blown away how faithful God was. We got through that, and it was like, wow, God is really faithful. And so now we've been praying about it again, and this time it's a larger number than it was back then. It's a larger number so far. I say so far because we haven't, we haven't signed the card yet because I'm still scared. I'm just like you guys. I'm no different than you. And God's whispering a number in my, in my head, and then I talk to my wife about it, and she's getting the same number, and it's like, well, maybe you should go pray some more. <laughs> but if that's the number, that's the number we'll commit to. Why? Because I know that God is faithful. So yes, I know how hard it can be. I know how difficult it can be. So it'll, it can be intimidating, at the same time it can be exciting because you know when God whispers in your ear, he's not gonna ask you to do something that he's not gonna allow you to do or help you to do. So guys, will you join me in this first before all things initiative? Pray with me. Father, I just thank you and I praise you for your faithfulness. You are an amazing God and I, I thank you, Lord God, that everything we have is yours. I mean, we are just uh, managers of your stuff, and we just want to be found faithful. And God, I, I think sometimes it's so hard for us to understand that you, you expect and want to be more than important in our life. You want to be our first priority. And so my prayer is that, God, you would help every one of us to make strides, to take steps, to put you as the first priority in our life before all things. 
I thank you, Lord, for your patience. I thank you for your long suffering. I thank you, Lord, that you love us beyond anything we could ever, we could ever imagine. And I pray that through this series, every one of us will come to a closer relationship with you. Thanks, God. We love you and praise you in the name of Jesus. Amen.